Hey everyone, welcome to the Faith Chapel podcast. We are so glad to have you join us. Faith Chapel exists to help people follow Jesus, be transformed by Jesus, and be on mission with Jesus. No matter where you are on your spiritual journey, you're welcome here. If you have any questions about who we are or what you hear, you can visit faithchapel.cc or email podcast at faithchapel.cc. We'd love to hear from you. All right, let's dive into this week's message. Hello, everybody. My name's Mark. I'm so glad you're with us tonight. Uh, I want to say a special warm welcome to each of you who could be out in the hot weather right now. I like to think that uh, uh, summer doesn't officially show up in Montana until July 4th, but we've already been experiencing a pretty serious dose of summer already, right? But I want to say also to you who are watching online, welcome. And uh, we have been in a series in the book of 1 Corinthians for a season of time. And uh, 1 Corinthians is actually a letter that was written by Paul, who is one of the great leaders in the first century church. And it's really uh, what it is, it's, it's, it, we call it the book of 1 Corinthians, but it's a letter he scrawled out about 50 AD. He, he, he founded this church on his second missionary journey. And then, and then some five years later, he needs to write a letter back to them to answer some questions they have and also to uh, address some of the key issues that are going on in this culture of people trying to follow Jesus amidst a very uh, sensual culture. We'll just put it that way. And so uh, last week we looked at chapter 12, which had to do with spiritual gifts. And what I love about that is that God has given each person who's a follower of Jesus a gift that's a part, gift or gifts that's part of our partnership with him and what he wants to do in our one and only lives on this side of heaven. Now, unity is the goal, of course, in the use of spiritual gifts. Love is the motive. We're gonna look at that tonight. And we are all elevators of the body of Christ when we offer our gifts up to God and get up underneath the body with our gifts. That's the purpose, right? So I wanna begin tonight with a simple question. Who's the most loving person that you know? Or who's the most loving person that you've ever known? So somebody's bubbling to the surface of your thinking right now, right? So the second question is, what made them so loving? I uh, I asked a a number of people this last week. I I asked them, what is love? What's the definition of love? Some people said uh, it's commitment. Others said it's sacrifice. Others said it's like attunement, which is paying attention. Uh, Others said it's compassion, a number of things. But what made that person so loving? And here's the big question. Were they consistently loving? This past week we had a, we, we took a bunch of guys up to the camp uh, because starting on Monday, there's going to be 9 million kids up at the camp on the, on the boulder. And uh, it's going to be a great thing. But we're trying to do some things to get camp on the boulder ready. So we, we gathered up a group of guys to go up there. And um, I, I invited. And so what we needed to do was to finish up a shower house and put a deck on that and get that thing going. And then um, a number of other things. There's a bunch of ditches that need to be covered up and, and, and lines uh, covered and boulders moved around and all that. And so I invited a friend of mine to come. And this guy is an entrepreneur. He's got like 200 people working for him. Uh, he's got uh, divisions in two different states. And he said, yeah, I could probably come up and help you on Friday and Saturday. <laughs> so he shows up 
And we work hard all day Friday. There's dust flying. He's on the excavator. I'm on the, the skid steer and there's dust covered from head to toe. It's dark and it's time to take a shower and go in for a night of sleep, right? And I had gotten there the night before because I really wanted to be ready, dialed in when these guys got there at nine. So I had my room and I had my sleeping bag all laid out and I took a pillow this time. I never take a pillow. And I thought, man, I'm gonna get a good night of sleep on Friday and I'm gonna take my pillow. And so I had my pillow, but I was so fired up about this weekend that I grabbed a beach towel, threw uh, uh, a couple of things in there, some shampoo and, and, uh, and uh, my toothbrush, and, and, I, and, and off we went. So now here it is, it's, it's nighttime, it's, uh, it's about 10.30, and, and I'm telling the guys, wow, it was such a great day, thank you so much. Tomorrow, here's what we're gonna be doing. Now, um, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna call him Larry for the sake of uh, changing his name for the sake of protecting the innocent. And so I said, Larry, uh, you okay? What, what, what'd you bring? He said, well, I, I brought some face wash. You, you didn't bring a towel? No, I, I, you need to take a shower, don't you, Larry? Yeah, but you didn't bring a towel? No. And I'm thinking, oh, I, I should probably give him my towel, but I brought a towel and that's my towel. But no, wait a minute. I could probably give him my towel. I could, I could give him my towel because I saw in a, in a, in, <laughs> in a closet, there was a stack of these table uh, <clears throat> washcloths that, uh, that, that smelled like Mr. Clean. But I thought I, I could probably dry off with two of those things. I could use one for the lower half and one for the top half. And so, <clears throat> uh, so I, I, I thought I'm gonna give him my towel. But all of a sudden, one of the servants in the group says, well, I've got a towel, I've got an extra towel. I said, you got an extra towel? I said, yeah, I'm not gonna take a shower. <laughs> I'm like, you're not gonna take a shower. <laughs> okay, so now he's got a towel. And, and so now I'm thinking, okay, so Larry's got a towel, but he, he doesn't have, I said, Larry, did you, did you bring a sleeping bag? No. How about a pillow? No. So I look in my room with my sleeping bag laid out there and my, my, my pillow <laughs> that I brought. And I'm thinking, okay, so I, I grabbed my pillow because I thought I could sleep on one of those washcloths. I could use that for a towel. So I give him my pillow and he, he grabs that thing sort of like, uh, okay. And then, and then I'm thinking, so why don't you take my towel and you can use that to cover up with? Because I've got a sleeping bag, right? <laughs> and he's looking at me like, okay. And, and I'm thinking, so Larry is gonna be sleeping on a plastic mattress all night and he's gonna pull up this towel that goes up about halfway. Well, I rummaged around and I found him a sleeping bag. The, the zipper was blowing out of the side and, and I think it was a, a kid's sleeping bag and it probably did only come up this far. And so I gave that to him and I'm thinking, okay, Larry's good. The next day I said, Larry, how, how was your night of sleep? He said, ah, you know, it was okay, except that sleeping bag, it smelled like cigarettes and B.O. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, and I was so embarrassed. That next day I thought, why didn't I give him, give him my sleeping bag? I could have slept with, I could have used my towel to cover up with, and I could have used a washcloth. But so this person, who's your most loving person in your life, are they consistently loving? Probably not. Why? Because of the humanness factor, right? And I wanna be loving, but even in that night, I wasn't a servant. I wasn't loving. And, and the next day I was like, oh, I wish I could run the reel back. 
I wish I could take that back and start over because I would give Larry one of those washcloths. No, just kidding. <laughs> but I certainly would give him my sleeping bag. Now, so what was the benefit to you of having this person in your life? They gave a little piece of love to you, right? There was a deposit of love in your life. There was a picture of what love looked like, right? That's why they're the most loving person. So that's what we're gonna be looking at. And if you want your life to count, and I want my life to count, we have to focus, right? And you and I don't have everything. We don't have all the time to do everything. And not everything is of equal value. Jesus said there are two things that are most important in life. That is loving God and loving people, right? You remember that? One of the uh, teachers of the law came to him one time and he said, Jesus, what rabbi, he called him, he said, what, what's, the most, what's the greatest commandment in life? Singular. And Jesus um, said it this way. He said, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He goes on to say, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. He says, the second is this, love your neighbors, yourself. There is no other greater commandment than these. Isn't that interesting? He took two, compressed them into one and says, this is the most important commandment that you're ever gonna live by, loving God and loving people, right? That's the thing we need to focus on. <clears throat> So God wants us to know that the two most important things to us in life are loving him and loving people. And all of life is one gigantic lesson in love. Is it not? For God and for everyone else. And that says that is the essence of life. So today, what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about what love is. What is love? What's the definition of love? Is it compassion? Is it attunement? Is it uh, sacrificial. It's all those things. But Paul gives us a real clear glimpse of what it is. If you've ever been to a wedding, more than likely the pastor might have used a little portion of this passage in 1 Corinthians 13. It's kind of the famous love chapter. And we want to look at that tonight. Let's take a look. Let's read it together. Remember, he's just coming out of chapter 12 where he's talking about spiritual gifts. And he says, and yet, I'm going to show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Boy, there's a word picture, right? Have you ever gone to a football game and you're really trying to focus on the game? <laughs> you're hearing the, the gongs and the cymbals. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. He goes on to say, if I give all I possess to the poor and I give over my body to hardship that I may boast. Well, I am so sacrificial, I gave him my pillow. But do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is pay, oh, now here's the best part. This is what normally uh, that pastor will use in the wedding because he, he's gonna talk about what love is and what love isn't. Take a look at it. He says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they're gonna cease. 
Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For now, we know in part. Isn't that true? (laughs) I like to think, do I have it all figured out and do I do it all right? Of course not. We're all in process and Paul's gonna keep talking about that. He says, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. You know what I love about that? It's like something good is coming. It's out in the future. Don't you love that? I am not complete. I certainly don't have love down 100%. Last Friday night, oh, by the way, if I had entered a college course on sacrificial loving and I got back my first exam on that day, here's what my exam grade would have been. You know what that is? That is a D plus. I got a D plus on my first exam on sacrificial loving. You know why? You know why I came out from, it wasn't an F, because I offered my pillow and I got a plus because I offered my towel. That gave me the plus. Now, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, oh, I love this. He's saying that there is a process that took place in my life. And there was one time in my life when I didn't know everything, I still don't know everything, but I, I moved through this process, this evolution to maturity. And so when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now, you and I see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then when completeness comes, guess what? We get to see face to face. John was Jesus' good friend, and he said, it does not yet appear what we, what we shall be, what we're gonna be like, but we know that when he appears, we're gonna be like him because we're gonna see him as he is. Yay! Aren't you excited about that? When we stand before Jesus face to face, it's all gonna be over. We're gonna be complete, and we're gonna be like him. But for now, we only see in a mirror partially. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully even as I'm fully known. How does that make you feel to know you're fully known? There's not, a, there's not a hair on your head. God doesn't know every detail about your head, about your thoughts. Before a word is on my tongue, oh Lord, you know it completely. David said in Psalm 139, he knows everything about us, even down to our motives. He says, and now these three remain, meaning these are eternal, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Isn't that a great chapter? We're gonna learn a little bit about what love is, Paul says. Now, we know that love is important, right? Everything else in our crazy world right now uh, causes us to maybe forget that love is our highest aim. This last year and a half, we just tried to kind of maintain. We've tried to figure out what is going on. But love is our highest aim. We get distracted by other things on a regular basis. But when I look at this famous love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13, I realize that God has set you and I apart as ambassadors of love to my family, to the church, and to the watching world. He's loaded us up with spiritual gifts so that we'll come up underneath those gifts with with love as our motive and we can serve that up 
to our family, to the church, and to the watching world because God wants to partner with us in the things that are bigger than we are. Now, I wanna encourage you to help me do something. This will, this will require some involvement from you. So it goes like this. Look around, stay alert, remain flexible, follow Jesus, lean in. Okay? I'm gonna say that again. When you think about your spiritual gifts and the fact that God has equipped you with something very specific just for you, I like to say that uh, if, you have, if you have a child that plays soccer, that kid is the only player on the soccer field. You're watching every move that son or daughter makes, right? Nobody else is even on the field. Oh, did you see the way she pulled her leg back and the way she kicked that ball? Oh, I've never seen anybody like that before. That's the greatest kick ever in the history of soccer. Now that's the way God looks at you. You are his pride and joy. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. And so he has said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to have some spiritual gifts and I'm gonna, I want you to motivate them with love. And I want you, when you are going through your everyday experiences, I want you to look around. What is going on? I want you to stay alert because maybe there's gonna be a need out there that my spiritual gift might benefit someone. I want you to remain flexible. Okay, uh, it's like, I'm ready. Lord, whatever you say, I'm ready to come off the bench. Follow Jesus, listen for his voice and lean in. Okay, I'm coming off the bench and I'm gonna use my spiritual gift on your behalf and for your glory. I love that video we saw before, which said, wouldn't it be great just to, partner with him so that he becomes famous through our lives. Did you catch that in the video? That was awesome. There's a, I mentioned John was Jesus' closest friend, one of, them, uh, one of his three closest friends. But John, as an older guy, he wrote a number of great documents. He wrote the book, of the, the gospel of John. He wrote three letters, first, second, and third John, and he wrote the book of Revelation. And in the, third, in the first letter that he wrote, 1 John, in chapter 4, twice he gave us a definition of who God is. He says, God is love. Twice, verse 8 and verse 16, God is love. I like to think of that as, oh, God is love headquarters. If you ever have a, a son or daughter who's wayward, what they're trying to do is figure out they're trying to make their way to love headquarters because I think our heart's number one greatest need is to feel valued, to be loved. And so this person, your child in this case, is roaming around, maybe finding, looking for love in all the wrong places, but they are on a love journey to find authentic love. They're trying to make their way to love headquarters. And that's why I think, well, God, you know, loves that person one billion times more than I ever could if this is my son or daughter. Oh, do I ever love this son? And do I ever love this daughter? And it's a common denominator that we have with God. We both love this, we, we both love this child, but he loves that child one billion times more than I do. And since he is love and they're en route to love headquarters, I can trust him to get them to where he wants them to go. But he may use me to be a part of that. And if he does, it's because I come up underneath my son or daughter with love as my motive so that they can have a little piece of God through the way I operate with love. Well, 
If God was not love, there wouldn't be any romance in the world, that's for sure. And when I surrender my life to him, it proves that I really am in God's family and that I really am his ambassador, gifted by his spirit to express his amazing love to others in my sphere of influence. So here's my first question to you tonight. Who has access to spiritual gifts? We go back to chapter 12. Followers of Jesus. Simple as that. God told the Ephesian church through Paul, said you and I are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do all kinds of amazing things which he prepared in advance for us to do. What does that mean? Well, before you were born, God had a plan for your life. He was planning his work and working his plan. He's been working his plan, still is. And God was planning to put some things in you so that throughout your whole life, the watching world's gonna get to see God through your life in some way. And I like to think that in this scope and sequence of things, if this is, if this is a time, my timeline before I was even born, uh, God prepared in advance all kinds of amazing things for me to do, but in Christ Jesus, this is the cross. This is when I was 19 years old in that video. Um, I loved how uh, one of the voices, it was Amy actually, she said, uh, she was quoting Matthew 11 where Jesus says, come to me, any of you who suffer beneath a heavy yoke, any of you who are suffering. And when I heard that, I thought, that's the verse that God used to draw me to him when I was 19. And I remember stepping out of my past and into a real relationship with him. And I love that. And so before that even happened though, God had planned for all kinds of things to happen in and through my life in Christ Jesus. You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do all kinds of amazing things which he's prepared in advance for you to do. Isn't that, isn't that cool? How, how good do you feel about that? And he put spiritual gifts in you when you stepped into him. I like to think that God never calls us to a task that he hasn't adequately completely and super abundantly prepared us to do. It'd be like this. If I was a football coach, I wouldn't tell my guys as we're in the field house getting ready to uh, get on the field, I, I wouldn't say, now guys, it's so great to see you standing here completely naked. Now get out there and I hope you win the national championship. It's just gonna be great. The other team probably has uniforms, but you, you do, go ahead and do it na naked. God would never do that. It's like, no. I can't wait every Saturday during the football season to see what the University of Oregon is going to be wearing. They wear the ultimate uniforms, right? Every week. It's like, oh my. Wow, I love their uniforms. The best that there are. And that's what God does with us. He's loaded us up. All he wants to do is just use us. Well, does everybody have a spiritual gift? You do if you're following Jesus, and I'll tell you why. Absolutely. <clears throat> Paul wrote to the, uh, well, actually, we go back to uh, chapter 6, and here's what, here's what Paul said to the Corinthians in chapter 6. He says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Remember, he's talking to followers of Jesus, led them to Christ, established a church in 850 AD. Five years later, he's writing to them. About the Holy Spirit, he says, do you not know that your, your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You're not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. 
What I love is the fact that one of the common denominators we have in this room is that every one of us have been purchased. Maybe not every one of us has said, yes, I, I can receive that. But every one of us have been bought. There's a person who died for us. Every person in this room can say, a person died for me. How important do you feel tonight? Well, so therefore honor God with your bodies. Because when I step in and I say yes to the invitation, then all kinds of really cool things happen. Paul told the Ephesian church this. He said, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the good news, the gospel of your salvation. Salvation means I've been forgiven, I can live forgiven, and I'm on my way to heaven because Jesus paid the price. That's salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, a signet ring, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance, this is eternal life, until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. I didn't figure that out. I didn't do it on my own. All I did was I said, I can receive that. And I, and I do. And I wanna, he died for me. <laughs> I wanna live for him. So we are signed, sealed, and delivered. And if you've said yes to the invitation, oh, thank you very much. It's a come as you are party. You're invited. You say, yes, I'm coming, come as you are. Wow, some really cool things happen. You get the gift of God's spirit. And here's what happens. He equips us to do the work that he's set us apart to do. He seals us for all eternity. He empowers us like putting an engine in your car. I'll, I'll ask baptism people this. I'll say, now, um, what, what did you drive here? Oh, I drive a truck. Hey, could we go out and take a look at that? Oh, so we walk around the truck. Larry, this is the coolest truck I've ever seen. Could I take a look at the engine? Uh, uh, okay, well, so he opens the hood and there's no engine in it. Larry, how did you get here? Well, my kids and I pushed it. And doesn't it look great in the parking lot? Oh, it sure does. But wow, don't you realize, Larry, that if you put an engine in this pickup, it could go around the world. And if you put a sweet engine in it, it could go around the world quickly. That's the Holy Spirit in our lives. He empowers us. He enables us to be able to understand his word. And he equips us with gifts that partner us with him and the things he wanted us to do before we were even born. Isn't that amazing? That's how much he loves you and what a great plan he has for your life. So it's like this. When I think about, okay, so my, I'm, I'm, I'm gifted spiritually. So we look around, we stay alert, we remain flexible, we follow Jesus and we lean in. I wanna read a story to you. Uh, of course, Jesus was modeling in his three years. He put his team together, 12 guys. And there's an interesting sequence of what Jesus had in mind because he knew he was only gonna have three years on earth. And so there's an, uh, the, the sequence is he came to earth, he, he recruited his guys and he did ministry in front of them. He did it. He was going around healing people and doing all kinds of miraculous things and his team got to watch him. So he did it. Well, then he did it after he recruited his guys and they watched. Well, then they did it and he watched because he's training them knowing I'm getting ready to go out of here. And then they did it when he bailed, right? And he went to heaven. He's coming back when completeness comes. 
Completeness comes when he comes back. So isn't that a great sequence? He did it, he did it, and they watched. They did it, and he watched. They did it. They're still doing it. We're going, they're going to the masses through a few. All right, so Jesus is going around Galilee, and he's doing all kinds of miraculous things, and I love this story. I'm just gonna read it. Then they came to Jericho, which is a village outside of Bethlehem, I mean, uh, outside of Jerusalem, And as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd, this is an entourage of followers of Jesus that are loving his teaching and watching him do his amazing stuff. They were leaving the city, as they were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. Why would he be begging? Because he didn't have gainful, a way for gainful employment. So when he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, By the way, I would imagine his hearing's better than ours. He began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Which is a whole lot like, could you be loving toward me? Because I'm kind of like a worthless wretch. I'm like marginalized in my culture. I don't get to make a living and so I'm just kind of sitting by the roadside. Many rebuked him. Why would they? You're not an important guy. And told him to be quiet. And he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. This is the day he was hoping maybe Jesus might come to his part of of town and maybe this might be the day when his lottery ticket is able to be cashed in. What I love is that Jesus stopped and he said, call him. And I'm thinking there's nothing but love behind that statement. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Doesn't that feel good to put your name in the, put yourself in the narrative? He's calling you. He's calling every one of us. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside because it was probably a little bit cold right then. He jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. This is what I love. What do you want me to do for you? Now, the man could have said, well, you know, it'd really be cool, Jesus, if you'd kind of conjure up a longer stick for me because uh, then uh, that'd be pretty miraculous. I wouldn't be bumping into things as much. Well, what would really be cool is because I know you can do all things if you could come up with a seeing-eyed donkey for me. And maybe, uh, maybe I, I've heard you can even make donkeys talk. So what would really be cool is if I had a seeing-eyed talking donkey. That would be awesome, Jesus. But instead, he said, Lord, oh, how my life would be so different. I want to see. He knew exactly what he needed, and he called him rabbi. I want to see. So Jesus said, your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Guess who got to be a part of the party? Guess who got to be one who joined the crowd and followed Jesus? Guess who got to be the one that felt so loved by Jesus that day that he was able to take a piece of Jesus, put it into his life along with the spiritual gifts he received that day and walk out of there and change the world because he was partnered with Jesus. 
So what does it do when I make myself available to God to do his amazing work through my gifts by just serving him up? Well, first of all, it illuminates my faith. Jesus said this about us. He said, you and I, followers of Jesus, are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. You know what I love about that? The watching world knows who you are and the watching world knows whose you are. When you use your gifts, motivated by love, so that your family, the church, and the watching world might see God in action through you. Second thing it does when I offer up my gifts to Jesus is it elevates the body of Christ. Let's take a look at the verse. Instead, this is in Ephesians 4. By the way, if you want to know where spiritual gifts are, there's a little, there's a little technique. 12, 12, 4, 4. 12, 12, 4, 4. What does that mean? Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. We looked at that last week. Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. This is the place in the New Testament that describes all the spiritual gifts. And you can go in there even tonight and, and try to determine, well, really, what, what are my gifts? Make a list. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. Well, in Ephesians 4, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. For him, or from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament. Now, do you know what that is? That's the, that's the, the body of Christ, that's spiritual gifts working in action. We're the ligaments by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in what? Loves up underneath the gifts, right? It's gotta be the motive as each part does its work, right? (laughs) There were a bunch of servants up there last weekend. I love the guy that said, "I, I have a towel. Here's my towel. I'd rather not take a shower. I want Larry to have my towel. I want you to drive with a washcloth. Not really, but, but he was a servant, right? And I love the way the body of Christ operates. He got joy in that. So it elevates the body of Christ when we serve up our gifts. The essence of what Paul wanted the Corinthians to know about using the gifts is that when I bring my gift to the table, when I'm willing, it proves that love is my consuming motive and it becomes the dom- uh, my dominant life principle. I like to call it my, my DLP, to love God and love people. And the body of Christ advances in unity and maturity. The body of Christ grows and becomes more complete because we're in process, right? Not fully this side of heaven, but we're more complete. Definitely there's unity. A third thing that happens when I offer up my, my gifts to God is that it radiates forever. What does that mean? Now these three remain, Paul said in verse 13. 
faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Why is that? Because love goes on forever. God is love. God is eternal. God never fails. He's unfailing in his love. A couple years ago, I went through the book of Psalms and I thought, I'm, I'm gonna count how many times God said it in that one book that he's a God of unfailing love. I like to think that when God wants us to know, to know something, he repeats it in a variety of ways over and over. So I thought, how many times have I been reading about the fact that God is a God of unfailing love? And if he, if he, was, if he failed to be loving for one second, we could say, see, I caught you not being loving right there, God. But you'll never find him not being loving. So I counted them up. Now, this is just me. I'm sure probably electronically you could figure it out. But 113 times God told me in the book of Psalms, he's a God of unfailing love. So I'm gonna take that to the bank that he's never gonna fail in being loving. And so if God is love, that's what John said, right? He's love headquarters and God's never failing. Then, then we can say that God is eternal and it's the greatest of all the gifts. Love lasts, nothing else does. You know, I've noticed that people are, are, are um, remembered uh, not by what they accumulate, but by what they give away. Have you noticed that? I, I've been on uh, uh, the deathbed side of a number of people and not once have I had uh, those people say, uh, you know what I'd like you to do is bring my, all the things that are in my safety deposit box and, and, and my mortgage uh, document that says it, it got paid off, would you bring that? And also bring a picture of my Corvette and I'd like to have these things in front of me. Uh, just while I lay here and I breathe in my last breath. No, what, those, what people want is they want relationships around them. So it kind of makes sense that we would want to be more loving, right? What matters most at the most important time in life is relationships. And that's why we're told that without love, life is worthless. Life is wasted. And that's why he says in verse uh, three, I think, is, do we have it up there? First Corinthians three, well, I'll just read it. He says, if I give all I possess to the poor and I give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I am nothing. Years ago, <clears throat> I was uh, processing with God through a decision. Lord, are you, are you leading me to go to this particular church? And it had been months and I was thinking about it and I was gonna be the pastor of this church. And uh, I, I, I sensed that it was God's plan, but all of, a, uh, all of a sudden one day I get a call from a friend and um, I'm gonna call him Larry too. And, and this Larry says, hey, Mark, I, I understand you might be going to such and such church maybe to be the pastor there. And I said, well, you know, I've really been praying about this a long time, thinking about it. And he says, well, I've been talking to my wife and my three girls and we have all agreed that we wanna come with you and help you. We would like to come alongside you. That is every bit what I needed to confirm. I'm stepping into this role that God's asked me to do. And serve he did. He was the ultimate, ultimate servant. Anytime there was an opportunity for some uh, thing to do that needed help, that needed someone to serve, this particular Larry would show up before everybody else and stay till everybody was gone. And he did it joyfully. 
I have so many illustrations in my mind, experiences of how he did that. So together we went in February. Little did I know that in, kind of hard to talk about this. In July, I'd be out watering a new tree I'd planted on a hot summer July night, just like this. And I'd get a call from a nurse to say, do you know such and such? Yes, I do. Uh, there's been an accident mm-hmm, and there's been a death, uh, so-and-so. And he gave, she gave me the, the name of this man's oldest daughter. So I dropped the hose, turned off the water and bolted to the hospital. And my sweet, precious servant friend was was piled up, but God sent me to his side as a supporting ligament because I could do for him what I do. I could be compassion, I could be support, I could be encouragement, and I could just hold him. That's all I did. And in this new church, there were 100 students that were getting ready to start their senior year so it was like, voila, Acme Instant Youth Group. We had 100 students that would show up week after week after week to be, to be nurtured through their grief and the loss of this precious friend. So God used his gifts to help me get going and he used my gifts to help him keep going. And... God wants our, the rest of our lives to be the best of our lives from this moment forward after tonight. And that's why Paul is reminding us is that the best use of our lives is with love. That's 1 Corinthians 13. And with love as our motive, when we partner with God by making ourselves available to him and using our gifts he's given us, Life is really fun. It just flows like butter. We don't have to have it all figured out. We don't have to be perfect because if we were, we would never be available to God. We'd never be able to be used by God because completeness hasn't come yet. I'm still in process. I still need to learn how to give up not just my pillow to Larry, but next time Larry gets my sleeping bag. So when we use our gifts, we get blessed, lives are changed, The church advances, God is honored, isn't he? So look around, stay alert, remain flexible, follow Jesus and lean in with the gifts he's given you. We hope that this helps you take your next step on your spiritual journey. If you'd like to get involved with the work and ministry of Faith Chapel, visit faithchapel.cc and click on next steps. If you'd like to speak to a pastor or connect with us in any way, email connect at faithchapel.cc. We look forward to connecting with you soon.